Welcome, everybody, to the American Space Museum. I'm Mark Marquette, and we're so glad you're with us to stay curious. Here we are, the last week of December 2021. So much has happened this year, and we're going to capsulize all that for you Thursday. So come back to our Stay Curious program. We're so proud that you've been following us on Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitch. And thanks to our Trekkie Techie, Jessica Galloway, we are now searchable on the audio Spotify and Apple podcasts. So I have to be on my P's and Q's and be a lot more descriptive lately. And Marty Winkle, my co-producer and friend for almost 400 episodes. Maybe we've done more than that the last year and a half. He'll have his sign to tell me to be more descriptive, to talk about things in a way that aren't so visual so we can embrace the Apple and Spotify podcast. Because after all, we're your favorite nonprofit for 20 years. We've been preserving the birth of the American Space Age right here in its delivery room, Brevard County, Florida. And just 10 miles away from me is Launchpad 39A. And Marty and I were talking about it today. We are soon to see the Space Launch System crawl out to that pad on the gigantic crawler way. Marty, did you hear anything? Anybody telling you and your contacts there? Well, I even asked Bob Seek today, who launched 50-some shuttles. It was in our building. Bob said he had heard that it was going to be before the end of the year. So we're pretty close to the end of the year. And when that space launch system rocket heads out to the pad, you better believe it. I'll be out there with my camera to photograph it. Speaking of photographs, behind me here is Comet Leonard, taken from a uh, backyard astronomer in Paris or France, somewhere in France. Hi, Ophelia. She's watching in France, as is Robert Law in Dundee, Scotland, and Dean Salzwittle in New Zealand. Good morning to you down there. Uh, this is an event happening with this comet. You cannot see it like this with your naked eye. It's skirting along the western horizon right at sunset. Actually, the people in the southern hemisphere are getting a better view. But look at the dynamics of this comet as something has separated off of it. And over on the far right, where you see that bright blue, that's the nucleus. And this is debris that's flying off of it. That uh, They say a million miles of comet debris you could put in a suitcase. I always heard that since a kid. And it's probably true because this debris is lit up by the sun. It's not flames. This is reflected sunlight uh, of debris that's coming off this Comet Leonard. So Comet Leonard's a visitor in our solar system once every seven or 8,000 years. So astro uh, amateur astronomers are having fun photographing this beautiful comet. Chock full of water and probably how we got water in our solar system. That's a whole other Stargazer Mark program. By the way, if you missed our Stargazer Mark on Mondays, check it out. I talked about the constellation Orion yesterday. And Orion is rising in the east right now, and at about midnight is directly south. But just in a month from now, about 9 o'clock at night, it'll be directly south. One of the most familiar star patterns in the sky, Orion the Hunter. And check out our program that we aired yesterday on our astronomy Backyard astronomy portion of Stay Curious that we bring you every Monday. And don't forget Friday's Triple T, Tales from the White Room with Travis Thompson. And we'll have him back this Friday on uh, December 31st, the last day of the year, with some good stuff to talk about. Well, what we love about our Stay Curious program is we celebrate the shuttle era, we think, like no other. And we talk about a lot about the shuttle astronauts. And here is... A happy 79th birthday to Robert Stewart, 
one of the pioneering shuttle astronauts shown here in his home. I'd like to check out the books Robert's got there. Uh, he was born August. Uh, he was born in 1942 in Washington D.C. Uh, an active, uh, the first active Army astronaut. Okay, and uh, he served as a mission specialist on STS-41B in 1984 and 51J in 1985. Uh, he he uh, was the second person to do the man maneuvering unit uh, uh, behind uh, them there. So happy birthday to him. And next birthday up is Japanese Space Agency astronaut Hashidi, and I per, I am horrible at names, Akahoki, A-K-I-H-I-K-O, Akahiki, that's how he says his name, I, but they call him Hashidi, okay. He's former commander of the International Space Station, born on this day in Tokyo, Japan, December 28, 1968 right after the astronauts orbited the moon, Apollo 8. Uh, he's the third Japanese astronaut to walk in space, spending 28 hours on four spacewalks. 340 days he's had in space. On a uh, first mission was a shuttle mission, STS-124 in June 2008, and they took the Japanese uh, uh, module that's attached to the space station, Kibo, very important module. His second mission went to the ISS Expedition 32 and 33, and he rode a Soyuz spacecraft up for that. And then he took a SpaceX Crew-2 up to the space station and became the uh, second Japanese commander of the space station uh, during his tenure up there. He returned back to Earth November on Crew-2 Dragon. November 8th is when they came back, so... Uh, happy 53rd birthday to Japanese astronaut there, um, Hishadi. And I met when they were launched back in the summer. I was doing a stargaze at one of the hotels, and the hotel was full of Japanese people that were involved with this astronaut from JAXA. And I got the uh, hint that he's a well-beloved guy in, Jap in Japan. And happy birthday, all arms up for this guy, Michael Scott Hopkins, former commander of the SpaceX Crew Dragon 1. Okay, the first operational Crew Dragon after the Demo 2. And he was born December 28, 1968 in Lebanon, Missouri, but grew up on a farm in Richland, Missouri. Uh, went to Lake of the Ozarks High School there. He probably had a big time in all those lakes growing up there. Five spacewalks to Hopkins credit, 333 days in space. He was a mission specialist for 166 days on Expedition 37 and 38. And then he was up there with Hashidi uh, on Expedition uh, 64, 65, spending another 167 days in space. He's the first astronaut to officially transfer to the U.S. Space Force. And they did a ceremony of that on the ISS when the Space Force uh, came into being at the beginning of the year, last year. Uh, and he remains an active astronaut, but kind of to my puzzlement, he's not one of the 18 Artemis astronauts destined to go to the moon. Uh, maybe he could fill in for one of them, but he is the commercial crew astronauts that NASA created over 10 years ago to fill in the seats of the SpaceX and eventually Blue Origin flights to the International Space Station. So 
that's something we're looking forward to, Marty, is the Blue Origin launch of the the uh, uh, new Glenn rocket, hopefully next year sometime off pad 36. That, we think, will blow your mind because it's 18 feet in diameter, the new Glenn rocket. SpaceX's rocket is 12 feet in diameter. So you do the math of an 18-foot diameter versus 12-foot diameter. The volume of that fairing, when you do pi r squared and all that, he has got some gigantic room to put big modules in space, does Jeff Bezos when he gets that rocket going off. Hopefully, the first test will be later this year. So uh, happy birthday to Hopkins there. He uh, uh, hopefully will fly again. But like I said, puzzling to me, he's not in the Artemis group of 18. And I checked. But some of those Artemis astronauts are working now on lunar geology and so forth. 2022, just around the corner, that gives us two or three more years till we put boots on the ground again uh, for uh, uh, America on the moon. And though China says they want to go, they, they, they have their new space station up there orbiting the Earth. Uh, we don't know uh, how that's going to work out. And speaking of people orbiting the Earth, let's see, how many do we have now? Well, we had 13 in space, but uh, three came back on the Soyuz spacecraft. Remember, they had the billionaire up there that uh, paid for his flight to go up to the space station with a... Uh, a, a director, uh, uh, not the not the lady that did the surgery up there with her director, another crew entirely okay. Uh, Got to refresh your memory about these things happening so fluidly. So they came back. So that leaves seven on the space station, the the Expedition sixty six crew, and we've got three Chinese orbiting the Earth. So we've got ten people in space right now, up down from thirteen. And of course when the suborbital flight of uh, Michael Strahan and 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 uh, Leslie or uh, uh, Churchley uh, Laura Shepard Churchley and and four other people went up with her. That made it. Uh, how many people were temporarily? Nineteen people were temporarily in weightlessness. We'll say. But here on Stay Curious, we're tallying those people who orbited the Earth to distinguish those that. Uh, did uh, suborbital flights. And speaking of suborbital, if you missed it, boy, what a great interview we had with Eve Pl Eve's Plendo, uh, nicknamed Full Sweet. He had he's got ticket 248 to go on the Virgin Galactic suborbital flight. He thinks he might go by next fall, okay? But he's been waiting 10 years to go. What a great interview. Jessica and I interviewed him thoroughly, enjoyed this gentleman. And uh, just a great, uh, great, great positive guy. He just was full of energy and really a, a neat guy to talk to. And you want to check out that that we aired last Thursday on uh, Stay Curious as a uh, bonus during the Christmas holidays for you. So, well, let's talk a little bit about more space history. One, we're, we're anxiously awaiting the space launch system with the Artemis rocket on it in the Orion space capsule heading out to pad 39B. We're hoping that happens. Could happen tonight. Uh, NASA likes doing a lot of these things at night. And what reason would that be? Hmm, Marty, I think you, you taught me that one of those reasons why a lot of shuttles were taken out at nighttime. Well, one in Florida, you're, you are exposing the shuttle era. You're exposing a national resource to the elements because it was in the VAB, and then it's going to be covered up with the remote 
uh, service structure, all right? But uh, to take the Saturn V out there and other rockets and expose them to the elements, all right, they did it at night because less likelihood of thunder showers. Simple as that, all right? And lightning is the worst enemy. In fact, I was talking to Bob Seek today, uh, who was uh, who's on our board of directors. Bob launched 50-some shuttles as its launch director. And we were talking about that, that the launch director became in charge. He was the one that got to say go to move the, the crawler. I didn't know that, Marty. They kind of had a chain of command meeting of who's going to give the final go to move the whole structure out to the pad because we've got to blame somebody when something messes up. Okay. And Seek said he was the one that the launch director was chosen to do that. So it's going to get exciting around here, folks, when we see that big stick out there. And uh, like I said earlier, I'll be out there with my camera from uh, uh, the uh, uh, you can get a great view of it from our Merritt Island Wildlife Refuge on the way to the Play Linda beaches out there. But the big news, of course, Christmas Day, the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. OK, and let's review that a little bit here on to end our Stay Curious program. There is the beautiful poster, Jessica being an artist, uh, Jessica Galloway, uh, Trekkie Techie. She, you like that a lot, oh, right? So pretty. Very so pretty. The hexagons and how it fits with the telescope. Yep. Yeah. And, and of course, the hexagonal segments are the big segments of the mirror, plated in gold, 21 feet in diameter, 18 different segments. We'll see a picture of that in a minute. But what's going on right now? It was launched Christmas Day. Okay, we're just three days later. What's happening? Well, you know, one guy I want to get on our show for sure is is uh, William Harwood. Bill Harwood is the senior space writer for CBS. I've never spoken to him. I would, I can't wait the opportunity to because we'd love to have him on Stay Curious. And he has got a Twitter that I follow because if you want to know the most up-to-date news of the day, you follow it on Twitter, right? And he just posted on Twitter that uh, everything's going as planned. And no, they're not unfurling the, the uh, mirrors yet. Here's what's going on. Uh, NASA's confirmed that the Webb's forward unitized pallet structure support half of the sunshade has folded down and locked properly this morning. And right now as we speak this afternoon, the aft pallet part of this is, is being lowered and locked. And this will hold the sunscreen that shields this, this telescope from the sun. And you'll see all this in a minute. So it can operate in an environment of over three, below 300 degrees Fahrenheit. This is the one thing about this telescope. Unlike the Hubble, which observed in near ultraviolet light, visible in near infrared light, uh, it will, the James Webb telescope is operating in a range that we can't see. All right. But this is a range of the of the, the spectrum where there's a lot of violence going on to detect long wavelength of visible light through infrared. So the web's going to be able to look through cosmic clouds and see what's on the other side of that cloud. And on the other side of a lot of these clouds in galaxies are black holes and other exotic uh, creatures of the universe that we're going to learn more about. So they want to put the web in what they call a Lagrange point, okay? 
has nothing to do with the ZZ Top song LaGrange, okay? I know what you're all thinking out there. Yeah, rumor going on in this Texas town uh, about a place outside LaGrange. Um, and Marty, you were working on the, the too hard to, to get into ZZ Top, probably. And Marty says, yep. Uh, but anyway, a million and a half miles from Earth is where they're going to park this thing, and it stays there. And then the sunshade is going to shield the sun from it, from any, any, any warmth. So it can operate from th about 370 degrees below zero. We can't even fathom that, okay? But uh, this large sunshade is unfurling right now over the next few days. It's made of silicon and aluminum coating. Let's get off that beautiful. There is the Webb telescope scooting away from the mighty rocket that launched it. The Ariane 5 rocket was flawless. Again, what a record that the Europeans have on their Ariane rockets, okay? And uh, this rocket performed perfectly, putting it right where it was. And then a camera on the third stage of the rocket took a picture as the Webb telescope, which is gigantic, and you're going to see how big this is in a minute, scooted away, all folded up like an origami uh, paper folded up. Uh, origami principles were used to, to, to put this thing in the payload on under the shell of the fairing on top of the uh, Arian rocket. And in fact, those of you looking for careers in space, origami is a career in space, okay, because they're learning how to fold up different things, uh, spacecraft, to get more underneath that fairing so that they can unfurl it up there. So origami is a very serious thing in space. In fact, here at the American Space Museum, we've got a STEAM program on origami uh, just to, to apply to that. Well, here's what's going to happen the next couple days. January 3rd is going to be a big day when the secondary mirror is going to be unfurled. All right. Now, let's look and hear what I'm talking about. Here is the Webb telescope. Look on the lower right hand people. Lower, the lower right hand is where you see all of the technicians in their bunny suits on the bottom. So this thing is 21 feet in diameter. Now the Hubble telescope is only eight feet in diameter. So this is like looking at a softball versus a basketball in, in light gathering power. And in astronomy, light gathering power, the bigger the, your mirror or lens, the more light it gathers, then you can magnify that image more and more. And magnification is what's called power. All right. But the, but the, but the Hubble telescope is the size of a softball. This mirror, when it unfolds, and we got our fingers crossed on that, is going to be the size of a basketball in ratio. So a lot of light gathering power right there. When they're going to start in the secondary mirror, see that that A, that those black girders there? In the middle there, that black girder as my hand goes behind the Webb telescope there. That has on top of it the secondary mirror that captures the light bouncing off these gold panels. It captures it and sends it to the instrument panel. They are going to unfurl that secondary mirror January 3rd and 4th. And then starting January 5th through the 9th, the primary mirror, those petals that are folded up origami style, are going to unfold in a sequence. Only 250 things have to go right for this, this telescope to reach its full operational mode here in about, well, that'll be actually about six months. But it's going to take a month to go to where it is going to be positioned 
uh, at the Lagrange point, um, a, a million miles away from Earth. The 18 hexagonal mirror segments are gold-plated with beryllium, and this makes it the, the most sensitive telescope ever. Uh, so they're gonna. So the big days are actually going to be the set the, uh, that I'm going to be focused on. Uh, by January 10th, all of the mirror segments should be unfolded and ready to go. Right now, electricity is flowing where it should. Uh, everything is nominal on the mission. And then January 25th, it will reach its place where it's supposed to in space. All right. And here it is, the Lagrange point. To give you an idea, they're just moving past the moon. There you see the orbit of the moon. The orbit of the moon is about 250,000 miles away. So they're going about uh, uh, five times the distance of the moon away from the Earth, all right, in a nice little cozy spot out there that nothing will bother it. Then you see the sunshade at the bottom. That will face the sun. And you hardly ever see what the bottom of it looks like, so I started throwing a picture of the bottom. It looks uh, like the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Jessica <laughs> says it looks like the Millennium Falcon. It kind of does from Star Wars there. Uh, you've got your solar panel that is powered by. It came out immediately. That was good news. You see that on the lower right uh, unfurled there. But it does have gas thrusters to maneuver the thing. And therefore lies the fact that it will have a terminal lifetime, unlike the Hubble, which used uh, gyroscopes. Uh, six gyroscopes moved to move the Hubble around and oriented in space. And all they needed was electricity to move. And though we've replaced those gyroscopes a couple times now on service missions, that will be the death uh, blow for the Hubble is when the gyroscopes all fail and we can't position the telescope anymore. And they'll put the sunshade down and just uh, 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 there's no plans to deorbit it either, to my knowledge. So at 400 miles up, it might take it, I don't know, Marty, 100 years to, to burn up. It might come down quicker than that. Uh, we'll look it up to stay curious. Someone out there look it up for us. But here's the bottom side that's got all the electronics, the avionics, all the stuff on there. But it does have a limited reserve of thruster fuel to orient it. So I think it's a five-year mission. Uh, I could be wrong. But the things they're going to find out in five years are things like, we're going to see the surface of nearby stars, like Betelgeuse that I talk about. The armpit of the giant is what Betelgeuse means in Arabic, and we talked about that on our Backyard Astronomy that you can go back and see on Monday's Stay Curious program. Uh, we're going to see the surface of Betelgeuse, all right, and see if it has star spots on it. We're going to see some disks of exoplanets orbiting the nearest stars. I'm not going to say we'll see features on them, but we'll be able to detect that they are a globe or not. So, But then the big science, though, is going to be with black holes and peering at the beginning of the soul of the universe and what we call the first moments of it with the uh, the first three seconds is, is, is when so many things happen uh, at our creation. So there it is, the Webb Telescope, named after James Webb, who was the NASA administrator, the bureaucrat, that got all the money to go to Apollo. He's he's regarded as the, the greatest NASA administrator because he got $40 billion to go to the moon while we were escalating a war in Vietnam and had a lot of problems that needed money in our civil rights movement in the 60s. So uh, 
James Webb well deserved. We hope his family's enjoying this tribute to him. Uh, we'll look up and see who is his family that that, that might be uh, interested in the Webb telescope. They could have called it a million different things. They could have called it the Winkle telescope or the Marquette telescope. But nope, it's the James Webb telescope. Completely nothing to do with telescopes or astronomy, but everything to do with why we made it to the moon because this man was the one that, that had his foot in the door at Washington and said we need to do this to make America win the space race and our whole world will change. And, and, and it did. So, well, we hope that everybody enjoyed a little bit of whoop, hit the right button there. Comet Leonard, you're not going to see it like this. That's why we showed it a beautiful background here for you all to enjoy. We want to hear from you this year coming up 2020. We're going to have a couple brainstorm meetings with our staff here and come up with ways to engage you more. And I mean, just not financially. OK, but we always do need help as a nonprofit to reach out. We're so grateful we got your help this year to uh, get the funds we needed to take this program to the next level. So uh, we're, we're, we're considering all kinds of different ways, some new graphics, and uh, focus on a few more uh, programs that maybe you can look forward to every, every uh, weekday, Monday through Friday. Well, once again, we thank everyone on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and those of you that are going to hear us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we're going to work on all the other social media events out there, uh, social media platforms out there to bring you good content with space workers, astronauts, and, of course, a lot of space news, all to keep you coming back to stay curious. Until tomorrow, I'm Mark Marquette on behalf of Marty Winkle and Jessica and our whole staff here at the American Space Museum. Come back and see us to bridge the space between us.